hello, hello. Sam Orlick here with the We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast presented by Sports Ethos. Guys, what is up? Today is Saturday, June 4th. I'm here breaking down game one of the NBA Finals between the Warriors and the Celtics. Is it time to panic? Is it time to freak out? Celtics 108. Sorry, Celtics 120 to 108, beating Golden State in Chase Arena. First home loss for the Warriors um, in franchise history at Chase, and also for this playoff run of 2022. Warriors had been undefeated at home up to this point. And you got to think just right off the top, opportunity lost here, was really expecting. Uh, I think as many fans were on the Warriors' side, that Golden State was going to come out with a lot of intensity, take care of business in Game 1, as they had throughout this entire postseason. Warriors had won Game 1 in the previous three series um, up to this point. That being said, I did have some keys that I wanted to get into, some key takeaways. We'll be talking about some stats. We'll be talking about... Um, you know, who did this, who did that. Um, you know, listen, uh, before we get into all of that, you know, I was a little bit surprised, I'd say, and I know we only are at game one, but I was kind of expecting this Boston Celtics team to come out as kind of a more supercharged version of the Memphis Grizzlies um, with kind of that intensity, that physicality, that playoff level type not even playoff, that NBA Finals playoff type intensity drive and hunger. Um, And for Boston, it was really more about everyone being attached by a string. Um, You know, after they corrected their first quarter mistakes, which were uh, very, very surprising, I'll be honest to say, just a quick quick little tangent before we get back on track here. How many open three-pointers did Steph Curry have in the first quarter? That was just I had not seen that yet. Um through any of these, you know, postseason games for the Warriors, the number of open looks that Curry got, the miscommunication between the Celtics and who was responsible for defending Steph Curry a few times in transition, which I understand is a little bit more difficult than when you're in your half court set offense, but Steph Curry, 21 points in the first quarter, really got things off to a good start. Not too much more help from anyone else on the Warrior side. Um, but yeah, back to what I was saying originally, I was kind of expecting this kind, this very physical, intense um, Memphis like physical level of physicality between the Celtics and the Warriors. And I just didn't really see that. So for me, that's a positive thing because, you know, you had guys like Dylan Brooks, Steven Adams, Jaron Jackson Jr., um, just real bruisers with the Warriors, really trying to bully them. Obviously, Gary Payton with the Gary Payton, the second with the fractured elbow um, injury on the Dylan Brooks play. So there wasn't a whole lot of that, which was great. You know, obviously earlier in the regular season, Steph Curry had... um, hurt his foot on that play with Marcus Smart uh, chasing after a loose ball. So I don't think there's any animosity between the two teams from that. There definitely wasn't like a, 
lingering desire or need to deliver payback. So that's all good. But let's start talking about some hoops. So right off the bat, you know, man, I was a little bit surprised at this because after after Boston outscored the Warriors um, 40 to 16 in the fourth quarter, shooting 9 of 12 from 3 versus the Warriors 2 of 8 from 3 in the fourth. For the game, Boston finished with only two more made threes than the Warriors. 21 for 41 for Boston, 19 for 45 from the Warriors. So that was interesting because the fourth quarter was so lopsided. I just left that game with this taste in my mouth feeling like Boston shot so many threes, they made so many threes, they converted at at such a high rate. And when I went back and looked at the box score, that was a little bit surprising. Um, You know, maybe recency bias kind of at play there again, that it was really such a shellacking uh, for Boston in the fourth quarter with the show that they put on. Just an absolute clinic on both sides of the floor, playing incredibly high-level, connected, uh, well-oiled machine-type defense stop you know really stopping the Warriors Warriors were without a field goal for five minutes um and this is you know Warriors had a 14 point lead going into the fourth it was 92 78 and Boston just destroyed that lead in no time and then added to it and the Warriors just had no answer and so you know looking a little bit more of that fourth quarter you had two threes from four different players, from White, from Smart, from Horford, and from Brown, all hit two or more threes in that fourth quarter, which, I mean, guys, it's going to be hard to beat teams when you've got so many guys shooting at such a high level and so efficient, right? Jalen Brown, two of three. Horford, two for two. Smart, two for two. Derek White, two for three. Peyton Pritchett, one for two. So, I mean, come on, 9 for 12, 27 points of their 40. They only shot one free throw in the fourth quarter. They were just striping shots left and right. So that's one thing, obviously, um, that needs to be corrected. And then on the Warriors' side, just not being able to put the ball in the basket. Clay Thompson, 2 of 3, 1 of 2 from 3, but played 11 minutes. Um, only had five points, only took three shots. Not great. Steph Curry, two for six. He played, you know, just a shade under nine minutes. Draymond Green, uh, nine minutes, 46 seconds, only took two shots. Andrew Wiggins only took one shot. 0 for one in about five and a half minutes. Jordan Poole played five and a half minutes. 0 for one. Otto Porter played six and uh, nearly seven minutes, didn't attempt a shot. Iguodala was one for two. Bielitsa's one for one in garbage time. Damian Lee, 0 for one in garbage time. So, you know, Warriors got up 17 shots to the Celtics, 22. Warriors went 0 for two from the foul line. Celtics went one for one. You know, Warriors had four turnovers. Celtics had one. It's not like the Warriors beat themselves. You know, I think a lot of this postseason as we've been looking at these matchups and looking at these games, these series, a lot of it has come down to if the Warriors just play their ball, don't turn the ball over, make the right smart plays, don't go for the home runs, hit singles, you know, they're going to have success and teams are going to struggle to beat them and keep up. 
And this was just a complete reversal of that because it's not like the Warriors had a bunch of turnovers. It's not like the Warriors beat themselves. We didn't see those, um, you know, silly mistakes. It was just a lack of execution. Um, and maybe it's, you know, a change in the approach to the execution because, you know, leaving out the fourth quarter, it was clear what the Warriors game plan was, at least to me, as far as what I saw the game that I watched, um, you know, I'm sure others will have different opinions on this, which is fine, but it seemed like the Warriors strategy here was stop Jason Tatum. Don't let Jason Tatum get hot. Don't let him get going. And so what we saw was a lot of Jordan Poole um, being matched up with Jason Tatum, expecting a switch, and then help side defenders ready, um, almost kind of building a wall like they do against Giannis to help on the drive. And they were okay leaving guys open for threes, late closeout on guys for threes. That seemed like the strategy was let the others shoot, but stop Tatum. Um, and this is very much so a carryover from uh, what we saw, you know, the strategy that we saw employed against Nikola Jokic and uh, Luka Doncic. So kind of makes sense. Jason Tatum's their big, you know, their big dog. And so they wanted to come out the gates and limit him and not let him go off for 40. They did that. You know, Tatum, shooting wise, three of 17, volume shooter, one of five from three, five of seven from the free throw line. But Give him credit, he made adjustments, 13 assists, because everyone else on his team got it going. You had Jalen Brown score 24 points, um, 10 of which were in the third quarter, um, you know, 12 of which were in the second half. Al Horford, 26 points, 9 of 12 from the field, 6 of 8 from 3. Horford, never in his career has he made six threes, so career high, obviously, playoffs and finals career high first player in finals history to open the finals with six threes so just a lot of accomplishments and accolades there for Horford who just played absolutely incredible Marcus Smart seven of eleven four of seven from three Derek White had the best game that I've ever seen him play six of eleven from the field five of eight from three four of four from the line uh big plays on defense so you know if you're at Boston, you had three guys score 20-plus, nearly four with Smart's 18, and your best player, Jason Tatum, had 12. Meanwhile, on the Warriors' side, you had Thompson with 15, Curry with 34, 21 of which was in the first quarter. So, you know, a little underwhelming for the rest of the game after he came out um, shooting hot. Uh, Andrew Wiggins had 20, Poole had 9, Porter had 12. Draymond Green... Four points, two of 12 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3, 0 of 3 from the line. Still had 11 boards and 5 assists and 2 steals. Kevon Looney, 1 for 4, 2 of 2 from the line, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 blocks. Looney was money defensively, um, you know, and just all the little counting stats. He, he unfortunately could not finish under the rim. There were quite a few times where the Warriors, you know, fed Looney the ball on some weak side action, and Celtics were on it. They... They were there waiting for him at the rim, and he didn't force it. So not a ton of opportunities or easy looks for the Warriors under the rim. Jordan Poole really struggled. Um, I felt like he was a big X factor in this game. 
several times he drove and was stripped, you know, led the team with four turnovers. Um, Had a pretty costly turnover also in that fourth quarter collapse there. Um, After he secured a defensive rebound and pushed it into the fast break and Jason Tatum picked his pocket at about half court, which just was an easy bucket the other way. Um, Good news is we got Andre Iguodala, Otto Porter Jr. and Gary Payton the second back. Um, available and ready to play in this game. Otto Porter had a very great game. Uh, four of five from from three, four rebounds, two steals. Porter was great. I absolutely loved Otto Porter in his minutes here on the floor. He was very crucial to what the Warriors were doing. Again, one of four players to score in double figures. Andre Iguodala, for having not played since the Denver series, looked really good. He hit his first shot, which was a three at the end of the quarter. Um, he only played 12 minutes. Gary Payton II was available to play, but we did get some clarification from Steve Kerr after the game that Payton's availability was really for special consider for special cases only. Um, but he is expected to be more available for game two, whatever that means. So, you know, again, I think having looked at the game and knowing what happened, hindsight 2020, I don't think that Gary Payton II playing or not playing was the difference in that game. But obviously would be a huge boost for this team to get him back in action after experiencing that devastating injury in the Memphis series. So some more takeaways here. We just kind of went through the box score and stats. Um, You know, this was a two-point game at halftime. Celtics up by two, 56-54. Warriors would outscore Boston 38 to 24 in the third quarter. Very much the, you know, strong third quarter Warriors that we've all known and loved throughout the years. You got 21 points combined from Curry and Wiggins. Um, And then, as we already mentioned, the fourth quarter was all Boston outscored 40 to 16. You know, Team-wide stats, turnovers were close, 12 to 14. Warriors had 14. Rebounds were tied at 39 apiece. Assists, 32 for Boston versus 24 for the Warriors. So Warriors, little light on assists, little light on rebounds. Low, Less turnovers, you know, than they typically have. You know, 19 for 45 from three, not bad, you know, shooting-wise. So, you know, what happened here? And again, I think it kind of goes back to the approach going into game one um, because it just seems so intentional how the Warriors and more especially Draymond Green, you know, I saw at least three or four, if not five possessions where Draymond Green sees Tatum with the ball, getting ready to put his head down and is cheating off waiting and help side and his man that he's defending, whether it was Horford, whether it was smart, you know, he's given him a wide open three. I watched it many times so you know I can't I can't honestly think that Draymond Green wasn't you know fully committed or fully in it because obviously he understands the stage um, the importance of this game I gotta think that it was coaching you know the coaching decision that that's how they wanted to play it they wanted to cheat off they wanted to they wanted to force these guys to jack up shots and they hit their shots. Um, unfortunately, it's not as simple as that, obviously, because, sure, 
it's a, you know, the NBA today is kind of a make it or break it from a shooting perspective when everything else is evened out more or less, which we just kind of went through the stats and did see that, you know, the Celtics didn't have, it's not like the Celtics had 10 more possessions than the Warriors. It's not like the Celtics shot 20 more free throws than the Warriors. Everything was pretty balanced. The difference was you had, you know, three, four, five guys score 20 points for the Celtics and you only had two guys for the Warriors. Um, Scoring is important in this league and especially against a very good defensive team like the Boston Celtics. So um, I do expect some adjustments against Steve Kerr. He's danced this dance before. Um, this Warriors team, you know, it's not their first trip to the finals. I don't think that they're going to be rattled. Um, obviously lost opportunity here losing game one, but the series goes on. Boston's got to win three more times. You know, I'd like to see the Warriors bounce back in a positive way in game two, make the correct adjustments to not concede so many open three-pointers to Smart Horford and Derek White. And like to see Jordan Poole make some adjustments on his end, um, taking a little bit better care of the ball. Uh, Clay Thompson maybe get him a few more looks if possible. Um, Kevon Looney finding different ways to finish under the rim. We'll see if Gary Payton actually gets some action in the first half or or in the game. Game two at all would be great to get him back just as an emotional boost. A guy who can come in off the bench and just provide all of this energy, um, whether that's go get offensive rebounds for putbacks, if that's to finish a dunk, um, make big plays defensively. It's not like Boston has some really quick speedy guard like John Morant where you really feel like his presence defensively is missed, but he just does so many good things and he can come into the game and provide an immediate spark and impact on both sides of the floor. And it's pretty clear that the Warriors are going to need to bring their A game and they're going to need contributions up and down the lineup. You had Otto Porter go four or five from three, which seemed like a necessity for the Warriors to even stay in this game. And that's after Steph Curry had 21 points in the first quarter, shooting one of his best nights that we've seen from him in this playoff run so far. So it's going to take Curry scoring 30, you know, Otto Porter, Poole, um, and, you know, some of the other bench guys combining for, you know, 20 to 30 points off the bench. Andrew Wiggins needs to continue to score 15 to 20. Klay Thompson needs to continue to score. Um, and then Draymond Green, if Green's taking 12 shots and only hitting two of them and not hitting free throws, it's going to be really hard to win. So a lot of those missed shots by Draymond were layups at the rim, you know, obviously free throws. He's been a pretty good free throw shooter lately. So a little bit surprising to see him miss those, you know, oh for four from three. So I think that there's a lot of adjustments that the Warriors can make. I think the Warriors can play a lot better as a team even though there were some very good individual performances um, by Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, and uh, Otto Porter Jr. And then for the Boston side, you know, is that peak Boston offense or are they just getting started? So, you know, I've seen Smart and Tatum. You know, a lot of guys on the Boston Celtics have been volume shooters who can be almost Dylan Brooks-like at times. So... You know, is Marcus Smart going to continue to shoot like that? Um, Is Al Horford going to continue to shoot like that? Derek White? We'll see. But, you know, the Warriors are going to have to give up something 
but I don't think they're going to continue to give up wide open threes to the others because the others prove that they can make wide open threes after game one. So is it time to panic? The question that I asked at the beginning of the show, the answer is no. It's a seven game series. We're one game in. Sure. You lost home court advantage by losing game one. You know, momentum shifted on the Celtics side. Every single game and victory completely changes the face of this series. So Celtics are feeling good after a game one victory. Warriors can right the ship by winning in game two. And then let's see what happens in Boston. Win a couple games in Boston. Now the sudden series is flipped on its side. So it's not time to overreact. It's not time to start throwing around blame. Um, Yes, the Warriors made some interesting decisions defensively as far as conceding open threes to certain players who hit them at a very high clip as we already covered. Um, It was really great to see Steph Curry come out and shoot efficiently as he did. I'd like to see that trend continuing. And I do think that there's a lot of room for improvement for the likes of Draymond Green, um, Jordan Poole, uh, Clay Thompson, and some others. So yeah, I didn't feel like it was a parade inside to the rim for the Celtics. It was really a, you know, they rained down threes on us. And so it'll be interesting to see if the Celtics start making adjustments as well, expecting the Warriors to close out hard on their shooters and they decide to take it to the rim and and it does become a parade to the rim. Um, And we'll see, you know, there's still a lot of basketball to be played. There's still, it's still anyone's championship at this point in time, obviously, you know, hats tip to Boston Celtics. Great job. Came out and took care of business in game one. Like to see the Warriors here um, bounce back. So we've got game two at Chase Center tomorrow, June 5th, Sunday. And with that, guys, before we sign off, for all you fantasy basketball players out there, I just want to remind you that there is no such thing as an off season when we're talking about fantasy. Only the pre-draft season. And here at Sports Ethos, the pre-draft season has already begun. We've got experts pushing out important lessons learned in draft analysis on this incoming rookie class so you can get a jump on your prep. And we're also going to have incredible free agency and summer league coverage as well. But you got to be a part of our premium member team. So head to sportsethos.com now and click on the premium tab to grab a fantasy pass today. Seriously. Just make yourself one extra lunch per month because it's only $5.99. And once again, this has been a We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. If you haven't already, please give me a follow over on Twitter. That's at S-D-O-R-L-I-K. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Catch you. Thank you.